realize this air rifle isn't going to do deadly squat. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. With my high-pitched voice at the time. Okay, okay, bye. And I'm sitting there in a deer stand. And at the time, it's the biggest book I've ever seen. Big 10-point. I don't know what he scored. 130, maybe, 140. He, he, he's a big dude. And I see him come out. I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, I mean, he's right below me because we're in the city. And so he's, he's, five, he's five, 10 yards from me. He is not far at all. Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast, powered by Advanced Takedown Tree Stands, episode number 219. Blake Alma, One Hunter's Beginning, The Art of the Outdoorsman. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's show is sponsored by Advanced Takedown Tree Stands, the Horny Buck Seed Company, Covert Scouting Cameras, the Scentlock Enforcer, your personal ozone generator, and Morris's Sporting Goods. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, this is Ben Rising with Whitetail Edge. Sit tight as you're about to listen to the best podcast you possibly can listen to, the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. This is Bill Vale from PressureDeerPro.com, and you're listening to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. This is Sean Smith with Whitestone Trophy Ranch and Deer Star Breeders out of Houston, Texas, and you're about to listen to my number one podcast, Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. My name is Jay, and for Dusty Phillips and Jim Keller, I'd like to welcome you to the show. A couple of things I, I would like you to do for us, if you could. If you would, please, go check us out on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave us a review. We're going to try and push this podcast up the charts. I know we have a lot of listeners out there, and I need you to take some action. I need you to go and leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe, that'll give you access to this show each and every week with a notification on your iPhone. If you're not on an iPhone, don't worry about it. But you can access this this show on YouTube in its entirety, on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. It's all right there for you to, to grab and listen as you please. Something new I wanted to tell you guys about. We have merch. I'm not kidding. We actually have products for you to buy, and they're T-shirts that are designed right here at Big Buck Studios. So if you'd like to go check out our list, the best place to go is Amazon. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com and type in, in the search bar, Big Buck Registry. You'll see all the t-shirts that are designed by Big Buck Studios for you to purchase. They're about 20 bucks each, and we have a few varieties. Uh, we're working on some more designs. If you have a design idea, certainly uh, shoot me an email, jbigbuckregistry.com. And we'll consider it. Uh, there's the Behrman T-shirt, which is a picture of Mike Behrman, who shot the living room buck. And uh, we'll work on some more. But anyway, if you'd like, again, Amazon.com. Do a search for Big Buck Registry, and you'll find all the T-shirts that are available that you can wear as as fans of this show. And uh, check it out. Here's a quick word from our friend Tom McMillan from the Sportsman's Channel on hashtag Deer Week. Tom, tell me about uh, hashtag Deer Week. What's that all about? Deer Week is going to be 
a celebration of the great sport of deer hunting that we all know and love. It's going to be on both the Sportsman's Channel. I'm going to be hosting it on the Sportsman's Channel. A friend of mine, Michael Waddell, you may have heard of him. I He's have. going to be the host. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the host on Outdoor Channel. And there's even going to be some kind of going back and forth, some riffing between Michael and I with some split screen stuff. And hashtag Deer Week is how, how the viewers, the listeners out there can share their deer hunting stories. They can ask questions. They can be involved. And it's just uh, it's something that the Outdoor Sportsman's Group celebrate. This is basically is a, the society uh, that we all are of deer hunters every episode is going to be what they either consider to be one of the most informative deer episodes that they've ever got or their favorite deer hunt or maybe even a collaboration of of all the above starting october 15th on each network sportsman's channel and outdoor channel seven eastern everybody needs to be tuning in for deer week We'll turn to our interview with Blake Alma in just a second. But before we get there, let's turn to Jim Keller with the Deer News. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week is part two of our story on Secretary Zink signing an order to support sportsmen and enhance wildlife conservation. This week, we will continue the OutdoorHub.com story on Secretarial Order 3356, which supports and expands hunting and fishing, enhances conservation stewardship, improves wildlife management, and increases outdoor recreation opportunities for all Americans. Secretarial Order 3356 is an extension of Secretarial Order 3347, issued on Zinc's first day, March 2, 2017. That order identified a slate of actions for the restoration of the American Sportsman Conservation Ethic, which was established by President Theodore Roosevelt. Secretarial Order 3356 directs bureaus within the department to, within 120 days, produce a plan to expand access for hunting and fishing on BLM, US, FWS, and NPS land, amend national monument management plans to ensure the public's right to hunt, fish, and target shoot, expand educational outreach programs for underrepresented communities such as veterans, minorities, and youth, in a manner that respects the rights and privacy of the owners of non-public lands, identify lands within their purview where access to department land, particularly access for hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, and other forms of outdoor recreation, is currently limited, including areas of department land that may be impractical or effectively impossible to access via public roads or trails under current conditions, but where there may be an opportunity to gain access through an easement right away or acquisition and provide a report detailing such lands to the Deputy Secretary. Within 365 days, cooperate, coordinate, create, make available, and continuously update online a single one-stop department site database of available opportunities for hunting, fishing, and recreational shooting on department lands. Improves wildlife management through collaboration with state, tribal, territorial, and conservation partners. This order is fantastic news for outdoors people across the country. We will continue to report on the progress and updates. Thirsty Key Deer Get a Helping Hand After Irma This story is from the Mother Nature News website and was reported by Dan Chapman. Key deer were hit hard by Hurricane Irma. Some survivors seemed listless and dehydrated after Irma racked the hard-hit Big Pine Key Island, home to National Key Deer Refuge. The storm surge, four feet high in places, inundated freshwater drinking holes, turning the water salty and unpalatable. And the 180-mile-per-hour winds lifted Atlantic Ocean water into the air and down onto the vegetation that the deer eat. After the storm passed, reports began streaming into the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service of sick-looking deer crumpled in the marshes or zigzagging across roads. Something had to be done. 
bucking longstanding policy, the FWS decided that residents and employees could provide water to the deer, though feeding the deer is not encouraged. The decision was applauded by Colleen Fuller, a deer lover on Big Pine Key, who manages a Facebook page dedicated to the North America's smallest deer. The page's followers have doubled to 1,800 since Irma. Most commenters worry about the key deer's future. Some key deer succumb to the storm. Service personnel have tallied about 18 deaths and have carted away deer from canals, road signs, and backyards. On an 8,500-acre refuge covered in mangrove marsh and piney wetlands, it was impossible to fully account for the number of deer that didn't survive Irma. We will stay tuned to this story. Hunters commit suicide after bullying from animal rights activist community. This story is from the WideOpenSpaces.com website and was posted by Colton Bailey. The online hate towards hunting is often taken too far, but this time, someone tragically took it to heart and acted on it. Millennia Capitan, a well-known huntress and blogger, unfortunately couldn't take the scrutiny from the anti-hunting community anymore and took her own life recently. She had been a big target for animal rights activists on her online platforms. The news and the story is tragic, and the hunting community has come together to show support and keeping her in their thoughts and prayers. Melania from Catalonia rose to popularity by educating others on her hunting tactics as well as letting fans and others into her day-to-day life. Her post caused a lot of controversy across the internet, especially among the animal rights activists and groups who followed closely and widely criticized her in any way possible. The news is rather tragic and it makes you wonder if any actions will ever be taken towards the type of comments and the banter that you see get thrown around on social media. Even after her passing, Melania's Facebook profile was inundated with messages grotesquely celebrating the news of her death. It's hard to even comprehend that people actually feel this way and on top of that have the audacity to post it publicly. It makes you wonder where we are at as a society. The messages and comments are very disfavorable distasteful, and out of respect for Melania, we won't include them in this article. It brings us back to the question we always ask, why shouldn't people be held accountable for their words, threats, and actions over social media like they are in the workplace? It is one thing to disagree with hunting, but to wish harm on a hunter and view an animal's life as more important than that of a human is something we will never, ever understand, ever. Our thoughts go out to Melania and all of those close to her. May she rest in peace. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckregistry.com. If you have any ideas on future topics or have questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Well, thanks to Jim Keller with the Deer News. Let me tell you a little bit more about Blake Alma. Blake is a young man, and he is interested in the outdoors. He is a writer. He's been writing about the outdoors for a little while. But again, he's only 16 years old. I don't find many young people with his kind of attitude about life. He's motivated. He's not stuck on video games. He loves the outdoors as any adult that I know that loves the outdoors. He's already making a career of it, which is unusual. You don't see this. He's not stuck to the television. And he became this way simply because he was introduced to a fishing pole about four years ago. And ever since then, he's been absolutely submerged in the love of the outdoors. So we're going to hear all about Blake, how he got into actually getting paid to write, his belief in God, his passion, his motivation, where he wants to go. The man is driven. So without further ado, here is Blake Alma. Blake Alma, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I want to thank you for having me on the show. How are you doing? I've been very well. Deer season is here, and I've been in my tree stand quite a few times already, so I, 
I'm grinning ear to ear, brother. This is this is just this is that time of year that makes me smile. Yeah, I could agree more. Uh, our season starts um, uh, the 30th, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting out there in the field, man. That's cool. Where are you at right now, Blake? I live in uh, I live north of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. So uh, we have some pretty awesome deer here. Yeah, you do. I live in the suburbs, and so when I see a deer, here's the coolest thing: we have about 20 acres of woods um, where I live at. And uh, I could go up about five yards up to these deer, and then they're spooked. They're they're city deer. They're pretty used to us, so it's that's pretty neat. If I go out um, east toward uh, Batavia and uh, Chillicothe area, uh, they get pretty rural back back there, and that's uh, where the magic's at. That's funny. I think I know where you're you're at because our good friend Mike Behrman of the Living Room Buck interview, and uh, lives down around that way. So huh, I've actually yeah. hunted in that area. That's neat. Yeah, it's it's a pretty decent place to hunt at. Yeah, it is. That's a, that's a great place. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, a lot of my buddies have pulled out some just some awesome uh, big bucks here. Um, uh, Dan Kaufman. I don't know if you know who that is. Sure uh, do. He he's been on our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. Um, he holds the record, uh, second record with an archery with a bow um, to uh, a white-tailed deer. Yeah, and I don't remember what I scored. I know it's in the three hundred. That was here in Ohio. Right, and so. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty big buck and pretty awesome accomplishment. And then the Tucker buck, mm-hmm. uh, that's, is the world record. Um, that's down in Tennessee. So, uh, I guess we got over here on the, the Eastern area. Um, it has some pretty nice bucks. And so, uh, where Tucker killed the buck, it was about probably about five hours away from, uh, where I'm at. That's not far, man. That's not far at all. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So, so Dan actually came to our studio in Ohio, which is inside of Dusty's home. And Dan did the interview from actually in in studio, which is un, unusual. Usually we're we're uh, virtual, but yeah, he he actually yeah. visited the studio in Ohio. Oh, that's neat. Where, where are you guys at? Uh, Dusty is in Farmersville, and I'm up in yeah. New Hampshire, just outside of the the capital of Concord. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was curious about that. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I like Dan. Uh, I'm actually going to do an interview with him, written interview uh, for Wide Open Spaces um, here shortly. I write up some questions for him, and he'll fill those out, and we'll get that on uh, WideOpenSpaces.com. Excellent, very cool. Yeah. So, Blake, what the the one thing that I think is fascinating about you, and I want to get into this a little bit more, and you actually put it in your tagline in your email is that you're 16 years old, going on 17. Yeah. Just yeah. talking to you right now, you seem like you're extremely mature for a 17-year-old compared to all the other 17-year-olds <laughs> I've talked to in the world. So t- well, tell me about your life. Yeah. How did you get to be the way you are? Well, um, I'll go back to – let's just – I'll start off when um, I was born. I was uh, – my dad was out in the field um, hunting. He was uh, – he was – he's been – he has been stalking this uh, big 12-point buck for wheat. And um, he finally – got a hold of him when my my mother was out with him and she was nine months pregnant with me. And then all of a sudden she, um, she felt this, she felt this big kick, her water broke and man, she was ready to go and she was about to have me. And so while they were hunting up in the state, up in the blind, they were, she gave birth to me and my dad took his hunting knife, cut the umbilical cord and out came Blake born in the outdoor. I'm, I'm just kidding. That never happened. But, uh, no, what happened? <laughs> so, so you was, have an imagination too. This is, excellent. yeah, I, I have a, yeah, I have a big imagination when it comes to this stuff. What actually happened though, uh, my mom was in the hospital and my dad was out hunting and he came in, uh, all bloody in his uh, deer camo after he harvested that big 12 point buck. 
and he came in like, oh, my son, he picks me up, and he has all that deer blood on him, he has all that camo, no, that didn't happen either, I can't remember, um, no, here's what happened, and so, it was, uh, 2013, by that time now, I was 12 years old, uh, I have never really done anything outdoors in my life, my parents are not sportsmen, so, uh, I'm totally <laughs> kidding there, <laughs> they're not sportsmen at all, but, um, I was at teen camp. It was my first year of teen camp. I was 12 years old. Okay. And um, there was boys swim time. Yeah, it was swimming in the chlorine pool. Never, It's never really been my thing. I just don't like swimming. And uh, one of the reasons why I didn't go swimming was because I was picked on. I was just the youngest guy there, smallest guy there. You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. And one of the teen counselors there noticed that I was picked on. I just uh, I just was kind of an outcast. I was just the youngest guy there. I didn't really know what I was doing. And he's like, hey, Blake, man, I, I noticed you, you're not hanging out with the guys. Do you want to come down to this creek with me and go fishing? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I've gone fishing once or twice. I'd love to do it again. Yep. And um, I, we go down there. He gives me this little push-button rod, and uh, I catch a bunch of bluegill, uh, some, uh, some rock bass. I believe I caught catfish as well. And so because of that one experience, his name's Brian May, the guy who took me fishing, uh, because of that one experience, some guy I didn't know, who was, just happened to be a teen counselor there, took me fishing. Um, it literally changed my life. Hmm. And so um, that's how it happened. And so that was back in 2013. I was 12 years old then. It was in the summer. And uh, just a big thanks to him. I, I can't express my gratefulness to uh, Brian May for giving me the outdoors. And so uh, the, the biggest piece of advice I can give to uh, somebody who's much older than me is it, take a kid fishing, take them outdoors and uh, see where it goes. And so um, I've been very blessed uh, because of Brian May. He took me fishing and uh, here's what happened. So, so I was 12 at the time and I hadn't seen Brian May probably three years. And so in that three years, I developed this huge love for the outdoors. Uh, I really was into fishing and that's really all I wanted to do. And then I came up with some little outlines. I came up with just some details about writing a book. I've always had, uh, I've always like written, I have little storybooks I've written back when I was seven, eight, nine years old. I've always liked writing. And so I was 12. I put together the idea to write a book about getting into the outdoors. And so hmm. I wrote this book. It's called The Outdoorsman's Bible. It's up now. I plan on actually redoing it here in the future. But I wrote that book when I was about 13 years old. Got it published when I was 14. And, uh, during that time I got into, uh, trapping, uh, I, I love trapping and, uh, I got into a little bit into archery and practicing archery. I had an old, old bear bow. I mean, it's from like, I don't know, probably the nineties. It's called the bear pro specialist old thing. <laughs> right. I just, I just bought a new one. Uh, it's called the bear pledge. And so I've been very uh, excited to have that. So I was doing archery and I, I was just really enjoying the outdoors. I, I never, I never went deer hunting or anything. And uh, I was just enjoying everything that I could enjoy as a 13 14 15 year old whose parents were not into the outdoors I, I did like i didn't really have a mentor who taught me anything i mean most i'll be honest with you most of the stuff i've learned is from youtube <laughs> i'll be quite frank with you uh from youtube and then i have my outdoor tv and so i've been watching all kinds of shows on there and so there's a lot of things i've learned from just reading and, and just watching videos and then a lot of it also came with uh, experience in working in the outdoor industry gotcha and so Anyway, I wrote that book, got published, and, and uh, in 2015, uh, the camp that I went to had a junior camp, and uh, I, they had a, I was too old to go to this junior camp, but they had the parents go to the kids' camp day. Well, I went with my parents, and lo and behold, Brian May, the guy that got me fishing, was there, okay? And he had no, I had no contact with him. I, had no, I, I hadn't talked to him in three years, 
I went up to him. I was like, man, I got some stories to tell you. And, um, I got, I got to catch up with him and, uh, he, uh, he, he's been awesome, awesome inspiration in my life. So it's because of that guy I got in the outdoors and then I started writing more books and I got those published as well. And those kind of took off. And so I started a blog called the art of an outdoorsman. And it was just a blog about how to do stuff outdoors. And that took off. And I ended up changing that into more of an outdoorsy media site, uh, posting like how to do's and what's trending in outdoor news right now and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, because of that, I started doing freelance writing for different companies. Um, uh, one of the companies I started writing for was a survival based website called uh, survival life. And I wrote all kinds of articles about harvesting your own meat and such and, um, trapping and all that fun stuff. And uh, during my duration of about four or five months for writing for them, this company called WRVO, it's a radio network, reached out to me and said, Blake, do you want your own radio show? I thought it was a scam at first. I had no idea. I was 15. I was like, what in the world is this? I looked into it. it they were legitimately offer me a TV show. I mean, excuse me, a radio show. I'm like, no way. It's so, yeah, I took the offer. And trust me, if you go back and listen to the very first episode we did, the very first podcast we did, I was not good at it. I had no experience doing it at all. I mean, it was, I mean, I was just not good at it, but I, I like doing it. And so I kept doing it. And so uh, we did our first 10 episodes. It was a bi-weekly show. So every two weeks, a new episode would air every week. It would just do a rerun. And so we had, we did 10 episodes. And then in October, we just stopped. I, I, October of last year, I, I stopped. I, I took a break from doing it. I just stopped, did a little bit more writing and stuff. I just stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I really just stopped. I had no reason to stop. I stopped doing it. And I picked it back up in June because I really wanted to keep doing it. I love doing it. And so I started uh, putting on more of the podcast things. I have no longer really doing a radio show, per se. It's more of a podcast now. Yep. And so it's on iTunes, Google Play, and all the platforms that podcasts are on, like you guys are. And um, so I'm doing podcast. I guess the podcast now. And so uh, the podcast has done so much better than the radio show ever did. We still call it the radio show because that's how we started it, but it's really a podcast now. Uh, it, it has done remarkably well. I've been really blessed. God has blessed me in so many ways. And while I was doing that, I, I came up, I was thinking, I'm like, no, I wonder how can I expand my work as an outdoorsman? And when I first got started all this, of course I wanted to do outdoor TV. I mean, that would have been a dream come true. But I realized it wouldn't be until another 10, 15 years until that would happen. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just keep doing this until I'm old enough and have the money to buy cameras and blah, 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 pay for the airtime and whatnot. But when I was uh, just back in April this year, I-, I was sitting down brainstorming some ideas. I'm like, oh, I got an idea. Why don't I film an outdoor talk show mm. and air that on one of the networks? And so I started filming the show, The Outdoor Experience. And so we had all kinds of guests on the show. We've had Michael Waddell, which I know you guys have had on the show. I love Michael. Yeah. I've had Reed Robinson with uh, Duck Dynasty, Gina Waller, which I know has been on your show as well. We've had Nick Munt, uh, which I know he's also been on your show. So we've had all kinds of different awesome guests on the show. We filmed that and air that now on the Hunt Channel. And so in May, uh, the first week of May, I uh, contacted Meryl Sport, which I also know that you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, you, we, 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 all the connections that we have are pretty similar. But anyway, yeah. um, I contacted him. I'm like, hey, man, I got this show. Would you be interested in airing it? He's like, well, yeah, absolutely. And he didn't charge me a dime. I, he, he still hasn't. And so I get to air my show on Hunt Channel, and we talk to all kinds of different guests. And so that's been an absolute blessing. So we've been doing that since May. It premiered uh, on the 22nd of May. And uh, during all that, 
I teamed up with, uh, well, they teamed up with me, I guess, uh, called Woods and Water Addiction, which is here in Ohio. It's a hunting group. They mm-hmm. filmed their hunts and put it on YouTube while they were looking for airtime. And they asked me off and on about it and said, hey, Blake, uh, can we air an episode uh, one time, just air one episode on your show sometime in the future? And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And uh, I had a meeting with them just about a month ago. And we talked, and what's going to happen is we're going to actually end up making the show bi-weekly, the, the talk show side, talking to guests like Michael Waddell and whatnot, make that a bi-weekly show, so two episodes a month. And then the other shows will be us out in the field, whether that's harvesting game, fishing, whatever it might be. We're going to be actually filming outdoor recreation, which what most shows do. And so we have a, we're going to have this cool, interesting mix. And so uh, me, Woods, Water, and Dixon, uh, are going to do some awesome hunts. So I'm looking forward to that all over the state of Ohio. And so uh, I'm maybe going up to Akron uh, up with Wax Star Hunters. They invited me to uh, do some rabbit hunting. So we might film that. That ought to be fun. And so uh, there's some awesome opportunities I- I've been blessed with. And uh, it- and uh, it's just been an awesome joy ride. So I know that's a long story, but that's really how it all began. Some guy I didn't know took me into the outdoors and gave me that awesome outdoor experience and so because of that um you know it changed my life and so i'm pretty grateful for that so i really encourage anybody who's listening that has a a friend of a has a friend that has a kid or has their own kids or has just a kid that they have the opportunity to take outdoors don't don't waste that opportunity get them outdoors because there's not i don't know anybody that's my age uh that that's into the outdoors and doing something about it and here in cincinnati i personally don't know one person my age that even cares about the outdoors quite frankly and so i live in a very um i live in a very uh, populated area and so there's really not anybody who cares about the outdoors that's my age but i hang out with guys who are 20 30 years older than me who love the outdoors and uh, i know tons of them but there's nobody that's my age into the outdoors and so i think it is our as outdoors people as hunters as fishermen as trappers whatever you might be it is it should be our duty to pass on the sport to the next generation it's a dying sport and quite frank, frankly, the sport is more than just uh, going out, harvesting game, building memories and such. It really builds up character. It makes it really makes you a better person. Like uh, the, there's a guy. The only he is four or five years younger than me. I think his name is Jackson Hurley. I believe he's twelve. I could be off on that, but I believe he's twelve. Uh, he lives in Utah. Um, he has this little uh, social media platform called Young Hunters without E in it, so it's just Young Hunters and. Um, He's at it, man. I've never met a guy, I've never met a kid who is so respectful and grateful um, to anybody, to God, his family, to me. Um, that's his age. He's super young. And I'm convinced that because his parents raised him in the sport of the outdoors, uh, it really helped him build character. And so he's an awesome guy. In fact, I've invited him to uh, serve as a calling co-host on our show. And so he's just a respectful kid and, uh, I, I really think it, it changes one's lifestyle. And so uh, that's what I'm all about and uh, just pursuing the outdoor experience. So you've been busy, Blake. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Uh, between school, because I'm homeschooled, so I've been blessed with the opportunity of being homeschooled. If I wasn't homeschooled, um, you know, spending eight or even more hours a day in school, um, that's a large chunk of time. Right. And I would only have the easing to myself. It's not like I can go outside in the dark and hunt. That's illegal. And so, um, if I was, if I wasn't homeschooled, I doubt I would be where I am right now. And I also doubt that I would even gone to that camp. Um, if I wasn't homeschooled because it was a Christian camp and I highly doubt, um, if I was going to public school learning, 
God knows what these days. Um, I, I have no idea where I would be at. And so being homeschooled has also been a great blessing. So, but between school, this is my senior year. I'm almost done. Um, between school and all my work that I do in the outdoors, me just going outside or me writing articles or me, uh, producing the show or going to edit it or whatnot. Um, it, it does take up a lot of time and it's quite consuming. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been fun, but it's been, it's been uh, frustrating at times too because there's so much stuff to do and, and to add to that you know you have people who are so against the sport that um anti-hunters and vegans it uh, it really gets under your skin and as a as 16 almost 17 um I, I it's hard for me to understand why these people would wish death upon a 16 17 year old boy for pursuing something that he liked my very first death threat was back when i was 14 he called me a waste of atoms i wrote this um <laughs> I just wrote this article. Okay. So I trapped, I believe it was a squirrel. I trapped a squirrel or something. I, I it was by accident. I killed a squirrel. I, I don't remember how I did it. It was a long time ago. I believe he got stuck in a rat trap or something weird like that. And so I looked at the squirrel and I ate it and it was tasty, quite tasty. I love squirrel, love rabbit. Mm-hmm. And, um, I took the hide and put salt on it, dried it out and turned the hide into a bookmark. I made a bookmark from, from a rodent's hide. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah. I'm like, hey, we gotta be resourceful. And I, t- I actually took the guts and ended up trapping a uh, fox with that too. And so that was my first fox I ever trapped. So that one squirrel actually did a lot of opportunities for me. But anyway, I took that, I took that hide, I made a bookmark, and I wrote a little brief. It's called Instructables. Anybody can publish a how to do on that website. And I wrote this article, and a lot of people loved it. Like, oh, that's a great idea. But among all the comments who once took out and, and called me a waste of atoms, and he wants to hammer my fingers alive until I bleed to death or something absolutely, uh, absolutely retarded, something like that. And uh, it was a few years ago, but um, that uh, made me realize that there's going to be people out there who don't like what I do. And so um, I get it all the time now. It's at the point that I'm like, okay, please stop. But um, I wrote a book about veganism and, and anti-hunting and how it's uh, biblically and politically wrong. And uh, it's just one of those things that any hunter probably struggles a bit to get past because it, it's almost unfathomable. Why would somebody wish death upon somebody for something that we've been pursuing for thousands of years? And, um, you know, hunting's been around forever. And so it is what it is. But there's always been pe- people out there that hate the sport. And so between that frustration there and then not having anybody my age um, that I can turn to and talk about the outdoors kind of sucks. Uh, nobody in my family cares about, I, I, I'm the oldest of seven children and none of them really care about the outdoors. And so, um, my parents don't. So that, that can be stressful as well. And then just the amount of work that I, I end up doing, it, it, it can be quite, um, quite frustrating, but altogether it's so worth, worth it. And it's uh, awesome, awesome experience to be able to, uh, just go outside and tell people about it. So Blake, where, where did you learn how to write? I mean, you can't just get published just because. You have to have some skill set. Where did you learn that? I have, <laughs> like, well, like I said, um, when I was, I'll go, I'll go back to when I was six or seven, I would write a little pair, like, I'd write these little paragraphs and draw pictures and give them to my grandpa, and he'd actually sometimes buy them from me. Oh, here, here's this picture book with a couple words in it. He'd pay me like five bucks for me to make that. He was an awesome grandpa. And, um, I just wrote, you know, and I don't know, I guess maybe a brought experience. Uh, but I mean, if I look back and look what I wrote when I was seven, eight, nine years old, it's, it's pretty bad stuff. I was not very good at it. I'm like, and so I don't know. It just, it just eventually formed maybe because I've read so many articles about the outdoors. I kind of picked up okay. and learned how to do it. Um, well, I think it's interesting that somebody of, you know, six, seven 
to 13 has any kind of desire to write as much as you do. I think there, you know, there are people out there, but to write about the outdoors, I don't find a lot of people. I can barely get my son who's 10 to, to do his homework. I can't get him to read. You know, he wants to go play sports all the time, but I can't get him to read. Whereas my daughter who's 13 wants to read all the time, but I can't get her, get her to go outside. So, um, it's interesting that you have adopted this uh, desire and passion and that you actually, for whatever reason, I mean, people have desires, but putting it in action is a whole different ballgame. You've done that yeah. all the way. You've done things that people dream about doing their entire life. Where does that drive come from? Um, so that's an excellent question. And I was asked that by a local news network, um, I don't know, back, actually back in May. And um, what I said was, and this is the ultimate reason to why I do anything outdoor related, is uh, the, the drive ultimately comes from God. To know that he gave us his creation to prove his glory and majesty and power is just a mind-boggling fact. And so it says in Romans 1.20 that the creation of the world was given so that we are without excuse. And what that means is, hey, the outdoors was given so that you may believe in God. And I mean, uh, there's so many atheists in the world, and I don't get that. I don't understand why atheism even exists, but it does. It's just a tool of the devil. But... Um, the, the, the outdoors alone, for me to go out there and see how the deer behaves and knows that I'm there and smells me and then, boom, looks at me in a stand, you know, that didn't happen by accident. If you think something happened by accident, I mean, really? You know, you see a building and you you know there's a builder. Duh, it didn't just poof there by chance. So when I go outside to enjoy the creation, I know the creation has a creator. And so I, I think that's really driving me because, I mean, I would say veganism is a subcategory of atheism if I really want to go down that ra- rail. Um, the only reason is because they believe we evolved from all these animals that we should eat them. But they don't really think about this, that, hey, well, if we evolved from animals, where the animals come from? Well, that means they came from plants and you're eating plants. So how's that any different? But <laughs> not to go there. But um, I think the outdoors is a tr- tool to br- prove God's existence. And not only that, it, it shows his love and mercy. Even though we transgressed against him within days after the after his creation, when he first made it all. Um, Adam took the fruit, you know, he did take away the outdoors, sir. He took away the easiness of going outside and just plucking an apple to eat it. Now we have to till the ground to grow that, but still he gave us his creation for us to be stewards of it. So even though we, we disobeyed his laws, even though we transgressed against him, the fact is he loved us so much that he let us keep his creation and everything that's in it for us to rule over all the deer. We have the right to go out there harvest the deer, and eat it. That is our God-given right. For him to give us that, even though we disobeyed him, it just mind-boggles me. It it shows his mercy as well. Not only does it show his existence and power, it shows his love and mercy. Hmm. And so I I think that's what really drives me. It's the ultimate thing that drives me the most. And then, like I said, the outdoors, um, I think it really makes somebody a better person. I really do. And so, um, you know, I've never met an outdoorsman who's an atheist, you know. And so... um, I, I really think it, it sets people's minds right, you know. And Fred Bear said the best. My show is called The Outdoor Experience. I had no idea that Fred Bear said this quote until one day I Googled the name of my show. Fred Bear said the best. Immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. Mm-hmm. It will cleanse your soul and make you a better person. No doubt in my mind. I mean, he nailed it. And so when I discovered he said that quote, I freaked out in excitement. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so I, I took that quote. We, we have it on the show. It's the opening part of the show. And so I can't believe Fred Bear said that. And so I named my show The Outdoor Experience. And 
the father of modern bow hunting. I mean, really, if it wasn't for him, I don't think any of us would really be here. Um, he said that. And so, um, that's me saying something. I say this often. If Fred Bay were still alive, he'd probably cry. But um, he has he changed the outdoors. And so, the outdoors really changes someone's lifestyle, with no doubt. And um, it, it draws them closer to God. He said that, too. The higher in the tree stand, the closer you are to God. And so, um, <laughs> he, he really he got it right. And so, uh, with no doubt, the outdoors just all together makes you just a better person. I think one of the reasons is because it keeps you away from sin. Uh, all the wiles in the city, all, all the, the troubles that can be in the city, whether that's going to bars or messing up, screwing up your life, whatever that might be. I, I think the outdoors kind of keeps you away from that. It's a fascinating perspective. It sounds like mm-hmm. you're re- a religious man. It seems like that has some roots in, in everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, so I like to say this. I, I think the devil actually likes religion. I, I think it because there's so much of it, it confuses people. And so um, I, I, I just believe what the Bible says, uh, what the Bible translated from the Texas Receptus and the Mesmeria text, the King James Version, what we have now. Um, I, I just go with what that says. If anybody says otherwise, that's not in the Bible. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. Whatever the Bible says, and the Bible is hard to translate. But when you sit down and read it day and day and day after day after day, you, you get a hold of it and you learn how to study the Bible. And so whatever the Bible says, I'm going to go with. Where did you get your uh, theology experience? Did it come from your parents as well? Um, we do. Um, so I do, I've gone to church my entire life and, um, yeah, I would not, if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't be a Christian, but, um, most of what I, um, I know is, I mean, like, uh, just like the elder stuff, I try to, uh, teach myself just about everything I can. Okay. Uh, so most of it, I'll I, I read, like I said, the more you read the Bible, the more you understand it. And so it's like, uh, you, the more you study it, the more, the more you'll get a hold of it. You know, if you read it once, you'll be like, what in the world did I just read? But then if you read it 10 more times, you're like, oh, okay, I got it now. You know, if you read, like, I don't like reading very much. I'll be quite frank with you. Even though I love to write, I cannot stand reading. I just got used to talking. I can't stand it. I can relate to your son. I, I just, I just can't stand reading. And uh, I just got Eva Shockey's book, all right, uh, Taking Aim. Um, I don't like reading, but I want to read that book. And I can't stay focused when I read. But so I'll read, I've read the first chapter, okay? And I was like, I have no idea what I just read. And then I went around and read it again. And then I read it again. And then I finally got a hold of it. I don't like reading uh, books that have to do like Harry Potter and stuff like that. I don't like any of that crap. I, I like reading nonfiction um, stuff that's actually true, like biographies, like with Evil Shockey's new book. Uh, rather, that's reading the Bible or reading about biography of a Theodore Roosevelt um, or something like that. I, I love reading stuff like that. But like Harry Potter and stuff. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I can't remember the last story of a fictional book, you know? And so um, I just don't like reading stuff like that. But yeah, and so I, I think a lot yeah. of it, some of it did come from my parents, just the basic doctrine of the Bible did. But then the more deeper stuff, especially to do with the outdoors and, and just how the creation proves the glory, I, I kind of just picked that up myself. Interesting. So you, you kind of get into all the stuff on your own. Maybe some guidance, but you you sound like you take some stuff very passionately. Once you get in, you're you're all in. There's there's no like <laughs> you're not half in ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know if you're you're half if you're half in, you're half out. And so I mean, um, you know, you, you, in the 21st century, um, I'll be. I mean, 21st century is super duper hard to be a teenager, um, especially with all these sinful temptations going around, and then all these dads in 21st century leaving their kids. You know. And those are all in the city. You mean in the country, everybody's like, oh, bros, what's up? You're my blood brother, like Ted Nugent kind of stuff. And um, but if you, if you go to the city, it, it's pretty bad stuff. I live in the city, so I see a lot of it. 
I, I'm happy where I'm at, but it, there's something about me wanting to reach people my age saying, hey, man, let me help you. Let me take you out to the outdoors so that you understand my God's power and understand the wonderfulness of being in the outdoors. Yeah. And um, I want them to experience that. And once they experience it, it'll change their life, man. And so, so I, the only reason I know that because it changed my life. Right. So um, I think there's some it, wonders that when you take a kid fishing. And I think you, oh, you, you experience that, which is neat to hear that somebody actually coming from that aspect. Now, living in the city, do you – do you find it? Do, do you feel like you're an outcast? Do people look at you different being a city yeah. dweller, living, trying to live a country lifestyle? Uh, living in the city just sucks altogether. I can't stand it. Um, you know, uh, there, there's, there's the occasional thing I like because we have a Bass Pro about 15 minutes away. And so that's real that's, nice. That's handy. Bass Pro. Yeah, sure. yeah that's, that's very handy. And I have 20 acres of woods where I'm at, where we live in the suburbs ultimately. I live about 20, 30 minutes north of Cincinnati. And so, um, it's all right where I'm at, but yeah, yeah. Um, there's not very many people. In fact, there's no people my age that I personally know in this city that are into the outdoors. Now, there's plenty of adults I know, and you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're my, my, my blood brothers. I mean, I'll talk to them all day about the outdoors. I mean, we could just sit there and just talk outdoors all day, no problem. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a hard time relating to uh, teenagers in this area okay. uh, because I, I, I don't. I'm like, I, you like to play sports. I, I don't play. I don't care for football. But yeah, I, I'm sure football changes their lives just like the outdoors does. But the spirituality of the outdoors is so much more powerful than uh, than football. And so everybody plays football. I mean, just about. I would say 50 percent teenagers play football. You know, um, that are my age. Where you and live? So okay. um, yeah, at least. And so or, or play basketball or any sport. And so um, it's hard for me really to think. Cause I, I I watch football, NFL, and um, college and stuff. And uh, I, I like it. I don't mind it. But um, it doesn't consume me. Uh, okay. There's nothing wrong with it really consuming you. It's when it becomes your God, though. When I say that, like, it just overcomes your main priorities in life, like your family, like your loved ones and such. And so uh, it's an interesting uh, situation here in Cincinnati that uh, there's not very many people who are my age that really um, aren't to the outdoors. And so I struggle with that. So I'm not necessarily outcast because a lot of people do like me for, for what I'm doing, but they, they on their side of things, they also struggle relating with me because they're like, okay, you don't meet a teenager who, who's a radio and TV host every day and likes the outdoors. What am I supposed to talk to them about? You know? And so um, <laughs> I think on their side of things, they're like, okay, adults, I talk to adults much easier than I talk to kids. I mean, I can relate to adults. All, I mean, I'll go up to them. Like, I'll see my best friends are adults. I mean, um, I, I, I love hanging out with them. There, there's several reasons why. I think if you hang out with them, they have more experience and they can guide you in the right place. Right. And so uh, there's just something about I, I like hanging out with them a lot. But um, I just re- I really do wish there were people that were my age that I could go, hey, man, you want to go fishing? Yeah, man, let's go do it. And we pull out big old catfish or whatever. And they're, they're, it's just not out there. And, uh, a lot, and then a lot of my good friends, who are not into the outdoors, but a lot of my good friends, they live like 45 minutes away from me. And so I don't get to see them very often, which also sucks. And so, I mean, it, it's an interesting, I have an interest, I'll say this, I have a pretty interesting life as far as, as, social, as being social with people my age. And so I get along with just about everybody. Everybody has no issues with me, but um, I, I, I just prefer not to hang out with people that um, all they want to talk about are girls or black ops or whatever video game that's out, you know? <laughs> and so... Um, I'd rather just talk about the outdoors. Yeah, I was so, going to. I was going to ask you about that. That so, the, your generation typically is into video games and YouTube. Yeah, and it sounds like you're more of on the production side. I mean, it doesn't sound like you play a whole lot of video games. 
I don't yeah. really care for them. Uh, my son yeah. likes them, but you know they're sports. Uh, yeah. But most kids are in, are gamers or they're 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 the YouTube thing seems to be the fad where everybody's watching YouTube that are in your your age group. But yeah, but you're using yeah. YouTube as a as a a, a tool. Not as yeah. you're not sitting there gawking at a YouTube screen for five hours a day. You're yeah. you're actually out there producing content to go onto YouTube as a method to deliver your message. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So here's my perspective on that. I, I my, all my siblings play video games. I have nothing whatsoever against video games. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care for them too much. I mean, I've played video games. I'll play them in the evening sometimes when there's nothing else for me to do. Sure. But um, I, that, that's how I would have it for every kid. I wish every parent would say, hey. All right, when you come home from school, you do your homework, you eat dinner. Once I see everything you haven't done, okay, you play video games now. You know? And so once you have all your priorities done, yeah, play video games. I don't care. But um, when it becomes your main priority, like it seems to be with teenagers these days, um, that's when it becomes an issue because there's so many more important things in life. You know, they A lot of people don't my age don't even have college decisions yet. I don't plan on going to college because uh, it doesn't look like I need to. But they haven't made their decisions for what they're going to do um, after school. And so, um, because they're so into what's going on now, well, we got to also look at the future, right? As a teenager, your time isn't worth as much money. It's worth a whole $8 at McDonald's plus all these taxes. So it goes down to like $7 or whatever. And you could use that time and build your career. It doesn't have to be in the outdoors. It could be, you want to be an NFL player, go be an NFL player. You want to be a master video gamer, be a master video gamer, but you have to figure out how to do that. And so you can't just sit around and play video games all day, expect that to turn to money somehow. You have to uh, figure out how to market that. And how to make it, how to make monetize it, and how to make money from it. And so, if you if, if some teenager has a passion with video games or sports or whatever it might be, yeah, go do it. You got to figure. But you just it's like me sitting in a, sitting in the garage dreaming about a car that that, that isn't going to give me a car. You have to go do something about it. You have to go make that money to buy that car. And so, for you to pursue a passion that you have and make money off of it, you have to go do something about it instead of just doing the actual sport. If I could, if I just went outside and just spent every minute of every day outside loving the outdoors, which I could easily, very easily do, um, it would make me a dime. And so you have to get up and, and work for whatever your passion is. And so um, that's, that, that, that's my problem with my generation is that we really need to focus on that, which is important and what our future is going to look like. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this now, my, in 20 years, the future isn't looking too promising. And so with everything, how it's going now. Right. And so, um, Although you have, you have to take that in perspective because every generation prior to the one that you came from said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, that is true. And so uh, I hope I'm wrong. This is, I, I really hope I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, so so to, with video games, yeah, I don't have an issue with them until they become obsessive and they become the main priority in your life. And so uh, with my work, I can make my work the main priority in my life and screw up, you know. And so you got to get your priorities straight. And I, I mean, I would put my work over video games, no doubt, you know. And there has been days I'll put my work over school, which I, I think could be an issue because I need to be doing school. I got to get out of school to ultimately pursue this for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so uh, you got to make your priorities straight. And so Kids these days, uh, yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to talk about black, what the newest video game is, Black Ops. We're talking about girls and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude. Right. You know, like they'll talk about girls all the time. I'm like, dude, what do you think? Uh, you could talk about them all day, but nothing's going to happen. You, you got to act on it, man. Just like with your career, you got to act on it. You can do your career all the time, but if you don't act on it and make money from it, it ain't going anywhere. It's so, uh, I, I, all my generation does, they talk about it and do it, but they don't actually go out and work for it. 
so I, I think that's just the main issue overall. And, uh, and then also, you know, I mean, uh, you know, God is not a popular subject in 21st century. They want to deny there's no God and saying right and wrong. There's no, there's no right and wrong and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I think that's a situation as well that we need to acknowledge the fact, yeah, there's a right and wrong for me to go do this and this and that. That's wrong. But for me to go do this and this and this, oh, that's right. You know, I think we need to make the balance there and say, okay, well, this is wrong. This is right. And so um, there's that scenario that my my generation has not grown up with what the Bible says and what just moral principles. Just it doesn't even have to be what the Bible says. I mean, that's where all more principles come from is the Bible. But I mean, um, we need to know. I right, respect our parents. Okay, you you gotta do what's right. You can't mess up. Okay, and so uh, I I think that's a big issue as well. It's not just not working. It's also doing that which is wrong. And so uh, there there are some issues with that as well. Well, all right. So enough enough about the video game stuff. But I I appreciate your perspective on life. I think you you we need more people with your your drive and your vision. And I don't. You know, you're yeah, hopefully somewhere down the road, you can have enough influence on that generation. And granted, your generation will will also say, "Boy, that this next generation has no hope." You know, so yeah. But just keep keep staying positive, pushing the message. I think I think it'll it'll help everybody. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some more outdoor stuff. You're tell me about some of the articles you've written and and where the the inspiration came from. Yeah. So my very first article. I told you about the, um, the bookmark. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended up using that meat. I ended up trapping um, a fox. Okay. I caught it. And so this fox, very interesting fox. So I trapped him with, with, with the remaining guts, liver, and all that fun stuff. I uh, stuck that in the dirt hole set. And it was a fall, autumn day. All the leaves were on the ground. It was red. And I go in the woods, look at my trap. I knew the trap's all busted up. The set is all messed up. The, the, the bait is gone. But I don't notice the animal. I believe it was because it was colored in its red fur. The fox's animal, this fur was colored in with the leaves. I didn't see it at all. So I'm walking up this trap to go fix the set and boom, this big old fox comes at me and he's like six inches away from taking a chunk out of my leg. Didn't see it at all. And um, I, I realized how big of a safety hazard that was because I didn't look twice, to make sure there was nothing in that trap. And so I ended up writing an article called The Camouflage Fox. And mm-hmm. I talked about how the safety of trapping is very important. And I wrote this for Ohio Outdoor News, which is a newspaper here. And I actually, they had a, they had a youth writing competition. I submitted it to them, and uh, I ended up winning that. And so uh, that's where my outdoor writing began because okay. of that. And uh, that turned into writing for several different companies, which turned into Survival Life, which turned into the radio show. And during the, during the radio show, I wrote for Outdoor Hub, a.k.a. Carbon Media, I wrote sure. all kinds of different companies, and then just about a month ago, actually less than a month ago, it's probably about two or three weeks, I started writing for uh, Wide Open Spaces, and so that's been awesome. For Wide Open Spaces, I'm more of a journalist rather than a how-to-do writer. I write about what's going on in outdoor news. Like oh, I saw that you posted the article about Mississippi's uh, lowest deer population in 30 yes. years. Um, I wrote that, and I, I just wrote an article about how it's the lowest in years and why, uh, because of EHD or because of hogs or just because of less hunter, less hunters in general. I was just um, covering those general topics, just kind of generalizing what was going on. So um, that's uh, that's what I'm doing with wide open spaces. Right now, that's my primary writing job. I'll write probably my goal is to write at least ten to twenty articles a, a week for them, which is a lot. The average writer for them writes about. Um, probably about 30 a month. So writing 20 a week is a lot, but journal articles can be really short and yep. really easy to write. And so cause it, we call it recycled news. 
It's when you find something on the internet and you recycle it and write it in your own words, not plagiarize, but write it in your own words right. and uh, put that among outdoors people to read. And so um, that that's kind of my role with wide open spaces. I can write how to do's if I want. I just really have it because I take a lot more time and actually they don't tend to generate as much income. And so um, I write more of the newsy articles. Um, so I want to do interviews um, with uh, Michael Waddell. I'm doing a written interview with him, Dan Kaufman, and then a good buddy of mine. That's how I discovered Big Buck Registry, a really good buddy of mine. I mean, I love this guy. And uh, I mean, I would die for this guy right now. A uh, Billy Daw, man. Billy uh, Daw, yeah, man. Billy Daw, yeah. I love that guy. I've had him on my TV show, radio show. I mean, uh, I've interviewed him on other articles. Man, I love that guy, man. That guy is just an inspiration to any outdoors person yeah. that has ever, he's ever came across. Uh, that's how I discovered Big Buck Registry. He actually told me about you guys and that you ultimately helped him start uh, Wheelchair Outdoors. We got him off the but, ground. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, uh, he, he's an awesome guy. And so I'm um, doing an interview with him um, here shortly. And uh, that, guy, that guy's an inspiration to everybody. He really um, is. Yeah, you guys got to check him out. Uh, Billy Daw is on Facebook, uh, Realtor Outdoors. But, um, man, that guy's awesome. Anyway, so, yeah, um, I, I just do all these different types of articles. Whether it's how to do's, I don't do that as much because, you know, it doesn't generate as much income. Uh, even though I like writing that more quite frankly, because I like teaching people how to enjoy the outdoors. And so with these new recycled news articles, I'll try to put as much how to do in there as I can. Uh, I get a lot of free gear, which is actually another cool thing with what I'm doing. Like, this guy's sending me like $500 worth of air, uh, air rifles for small game hunting. Like, mm-hmm. he sent me three or four air rifles for free, you know? He wants to write about them or talk about them on the show. I'm like, okay, cool. And so, like, I'll, I'll get the article and technically write a gear review, but I'll make it a how to do. Like, how to hunt with this rifle. Okay, whatever the name of the rifle is going to be, whether it's the, the Woodsman 1300, how to hunt with the Woodsman 1300. And so, like, it gives them that educational content, but yeah, it also promotes a sponsor that is providing me with the uh, weapon. And so, um, it's a win win situation. And so, um, I, I do stuff like that, but most of it nowadays is just uh, journalism. Gotcha. Very, very cool, man. So, we had uh, we talked a little bit before we get on. Look, sounds like you're doing some trapping and you're getting into some hunting, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I think I told you earlier about, I had this um, bear pro specialist. It's old. It's, it's still a compound, but it, it's old. I, I have no idea what year it's from. I guess 1990s, maybe. I, I don't know. It's old. And I'd play with, around with it. I had fun with it. I played with it, shot with it. It was cool, you know. But it was just old and I really don't think it'd do the job very well. The sight on it, it had, like it didn't really have the right sight mount. If I wanted to go behind a new trophy ridge or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it, was, it, it was a weird, it was a weird bow. Um, I don't even know what you would call that type of sight, but it's old. And I was like, you know, I, I, I want to deer hunt this year. I went turkey hunting this year. Unfortunately, I didn't get anything, but, um, or as my mom would say, caught anything. But, um, <laughs> uh, I, I love right. people like, have you, did you catch anything on your hunt? That's fishing, bro. That's fishing. Wrong sport. <laughs> but um, right. anyway, so I bought um, about a month ago. I bought uh, a new bear. It's uh, the only reason I choose bear. Uh, they don't sponsor me or anything, but I, I just respect Fred Bear's legacy, and I want to support him and, and his family. And you know, if, if it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't be here. And so that's the only reason I use sport. I could care less what bow you use. I think it's become quite a division in the outdoor industry. But um, I use a bear. And so anyway, I bought this bear pledge. Uh, it's an awesome bow. Love it. It's small. It's sexy. It's awesome. Everything about it is just an awesome bow. And um, I bought my deer tags for how I got two of them, and I probably ended up buying more. And so I, I plan on going out with my buddies with Woodswater Addiction, the team that I recently, I guess, teamed up with, and uh, we'll do some deer hunting. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I have a potential um, deer stand um, 
sponsor who um, will hopefully um, provide me with your stand and all the fun monetary stuff. And uh, I'll be able to hunt my 20 acres of woods too. Nice. And so if I, if I get, I get that stand. And so, um, cause it's a special stand. It's actually a self leveling stand. It's a pretty uh, dope stand. Uh, I could go on a pretty crooked tree and it leveled itself. Um, it's a really awesome uh, product. But anyway, um, so me going out there using that cause there's nowhere for me to hunt in those 20 acres of woods. It's all curly trees, man. Mm-hmm. So if I, that stand will really make a difference so I can hunt pretty much in my backyard. And so, gotcha. um, that's nice. but yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, game I, I i told my friends i'm like man whatever i see first a doe or a buck i don't care i i i, I go i'm not one of those guys that really cares about the size of my antler man, i just want meat man i love backstraps man we had some bacon wrapped um, deer steaks from backstrap oh man those things are like from heaven so that's all i care about I'm like, i want free food i want 70 pounds of meat from these big bad boys man give me something backstraps the tenderloins whatever all that good stuff man i, I want to get some of that and then i love burgers man i'll, I'll grab ground up the beef part i mean i guess venison ground up the venison and man i'm gonna make myself some burgers man and i'm gonna be a happy man and so um i'm a foodie man so that's one that's another reason i like to hunt i mean i love rabbit i love squirrel I love dove i love all the small game that i hunt but man deer man it's just some good stuff so man I, I, i'm pumped man i just want to stick an arrow through whatever i see and just uh, have a heyday and eat him up man well, I, th- I think it's interesting the way that i mean we usually get interviews done with people that are more further along in their career. Very rarely are we able to conduct some kind of a interview with some substance um, with somebody that's early on in your career. And, and I can see you're progressing from the fishing, getting into the outdoors, getting into the hunting. So this is an interesting tale to, to like take a snapshot in somebody's life so early on yet with so much potential. Like I, I see you going a long way with this thing. This is just the beginning. And I, I mean, I, I'll probably be gone by the time you're finishing your career, but it's an interesting snapshot in where you're at in your life. And I think it's fascinating. We can talk to somebody so early in this, this development. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. And, um, you know, here's the thing. I, I feel like I know a lot of stuff about the outdoors and I realize I really don't. Uh, there's really, uh, I don't remember who said it. Um, it wasn't Fred Bear, but there, there is no graduation day um, in the outdoors. It could have been Fred Bear. I don't know who it was. But somebody said there's no graduation day in the outdoors. And so even though I feel like I know a buttload about deer hunting, and I, mean, I, I mean, I've read tons of articles, watched tons of videos, watched tons of hunting shows, read tons of books. I just read a new book called uh, White Tail Advantage. Awesome book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I know a lot about it. But then I realized when I go out there, it's going to be so much different from what I understand. And so um, – uh, I feel like I'm like, hey, hey, Blake, how do you do here? Well, let me tell you how to do it. Bob's never done it. And so uh, don't take it from me. Here's some sources. Go look at it yourself. But it feels like I could teach people how to do it, but I've never done it. And right. so that's I've never written an article about um, deer hunting. Not once have I ever written an article about deer hunting. Uh, I don't talk. We talk about deer hunting on the show a lot, but I let my co-host and guest uh, talk about that themselves because I don't want to talk about something that even though I, I, I probably do know a thing or two about. I've never experienced it, the, the, the full experience of it. And so um, I, I, I try not to cover topics that I don't, I haven't experienced. Even though I could easily write an article about deer hunting and how to stock a deer or whatever, or how to cover up your scent correctly, whatever. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that I could cover that, no problem. But I'm not going to write about it because I don't want people to be like, oh, Blake, you never deer hunting. What do you know about? 
Uh, well, you're actually right. I don't know anything about this. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back down from this. But like for me, it actually feels like, I'll be honest with you, I've had pa- all kinds of passions in the, in the past. I, I love coin collecting. I love stamp collecting. I love rock collecting. I love superheroes when I was younger. You know, I had all these different passions. I had all these different dreams. And they're only last six months or whatever. This, this outdoor one, um, since, since I was 12, uh, I've always had this love for the outdoors and, and just pursued it. I mean, the day he took me fishing, man, uh, I knew something was going to happen. So within two or three months, man, I, I just hit the hay running. And um, it, to me, it kind of feels like I've been in it for a while. But I realized, man, I got, I got like 34 years ahead of me, Lord willing. And so um, it feels like I've been, I've been involved for a while. But I, I think about it, I'm like, man, there's a long, I have a long way to go, very long way to go. And so, yeah, you're right. It's just the beginning. And so I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes. And uh, I, just, I just love it, man. Um, I feel like you're just getting started. So that's very cool. All right. So that being said, yeah. in the beginning of our conversation, I asked you to think of a, a memorable story. And I know you don't have a memorable deer story, but I expect you to come back on and tell us your memorable deer story from your experiences this fall. Cause I think you're going to have some fun. Um, you said you, yeah. you mentioned you had a story to tell though. Get us I did. Giggles. So I, let, let's, let's, uh, let's I, hear I, you. I got two stories. Okay. I went on this radio show, actually. Um, I, was, I, I got invited to call in. And actually, I'll be down in Florida um, this Saturday. I'll be uh, live down there with them on their radio show. It's called the Florida Fishing Radio. I caught on the show. Uh, this is a fishing story. I have a, I have a deer hunting story, too. And uh, he was like, man, so tell me, Blake, tell us your greatest, funniest fishing experience. I'm like, I don't know if it's really that funny, but it's really interesting. So here's what happened. I was fishing. I was, I don't know, 14, probably 14. I was fishing in Mason, Ohio at this lake. I can't remember. The, uh, it was Pines Hill, I think it was called. And that place is chock full of catfish. And that's what I was going for. I, mean, I had this juicy, fat, nasty nightcrawler on there. This big hook, man. And I'm ready to just, just crush a catfish. I mean, I, I'm pumped. I, mean, I love catfish. So I was ready. And I'm bringing in my reel, just just reeling it back in to recast. And boom, I feel this thumb. And it fought me. Whatever it was, it fought me. I, it did not feel like a catfish. So I didn't know what it was. I, I, I had a thought it could have been a turtle at the time. And so I'm fighting this thing. It is literally fighting me. I, I, I like It had weight onto it. And so that's, I kind of thought it was a turtle. And so I'm bringing this thing in. I'm fighting it. It took me probably five minutes to bring it in. I get them all the way in. And lo and behold, it is this huge, not 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 small one, but a huge clam, a fresh water clam. It wasn't a fish, it wasn't a reptile, it wasn't an amphibian, it was a clam. This big, huge clam. Whatever the biggest clam you can imagine in your head is probably about that size. It was a big dude. I actually still have the shell of it too. But um, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing, the weirdest fishing experience I've ever had. I just caught this big, huge clam. It was weird. I don't know how it bit on. It had my entire hook. My hook was gone. It was all in its mouth. I couldn't get it out unless I wanted to crack it, which I didn't. And so I just boiled it. It opened up. I took out the loveliness inside, and that I still had the shell. And so, I don't know. I don't know. That's the weirdest fishing story uh, I can really say I've had. <laughs> and this it, is a weird scenario, man. I don't know how I caught that thing. I still have it, and uh, it's pretty cool. Anyway, my dear story. This is back when I had very little experience. This is um, this 2013, same year that I got into the outdoors. My neighbor, Adam, he's, uh, I believe, 30, 40. Um, he, he's into the outdoors. Uh, he's into, we have the same, like that 20 acres of town about woods. Uh, he goes back there too. We kind of have a split dealership with the, the private owner of the land, whatever. We go back there and do whatever. And uh, we went to, he has a deer stand. We went up to it and uh, he has, uh, it's a weird looking deer stand ever. Uh, he ha- hasn't managed to be on a cricket tree. I don't know how he does it. So I feel very unsafe on this deer stand. 
and we're we're actually he actually wants to shoot doves and I, I didn't shoot anything i just sat up there with him so he has a little air gun just shooting doves or whatever actually there are pigeons he was shooting pigeons and um he got one uh, he shot them um and while we we're dove hunting he shot two of them, excuse me pigeon hunting he shot two of them one fell down he got him he went back from sin he shot another one and this big old hawk as the pigeons falling out hawk came by took him and he, he cussed out loud, really illegal. He didn't really think about it. He was just mad because he stole his pigeon. But um, he's definitely I think he's like, well, I'm going to go find this. All right. Uh, you stay here. And Blake, if you see any deer, do you realize this air rifle isn't going to do deadly squat? I'm like, okay, okay, okay. With my high-pitched voice at the time. Okay, okay, bye. And I'm sitting there in a deer stand. And at the time, it's the biggest book I've ever seen. Big 10-point. I don't know what he scored. 130, maybe 140. He, he, he's a big dude. And I see him come out. I'm looking at this thing. And I'm like, I mean, he's right below me because we're in the city. And so he's, he's, five, he's five, ten yards from me. He is not far at all. And if I had a real muzzle loader or whatever, I could have killed that thing. No problem at all. I have this little 600 FPS, 177 caliber BB gun in my hand. And due to my unexperience, for some odd reason, I thought I could kill a deer with, um, with a BB gun. <laughs> I looked down at that thing. I pulled my little red rider or whatever it was, cock it. Look, aim or actually shoot him in the butt. I don't know why I was thinking shooting in the butt, too. That's a funny thing. Like, you're supposed to shoot a deer in the lung and the heart, dude, not the butt. And I would go yell at him now if, if I could go beat my older stuff. I shot that thing in the butt. And that thing made the weirdest noise ever. I can't even replicate it. It was weird. It was a weird ground thing. And he just he, he fell to the ground. So I was like, yeah, I stood up all excited. And then he jumped back up and ran. Never saw that buck again. But here's my biggest piece of advice and now it's that story. It's that when you are young and have kids, teach them not to shoot a deer. With a little red rider BB gun, just, just, just my advice. And so, uh, <laughs> I, people ask me, Blake, have you ever killed a deer? No, but I've shot one. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, I've actually shot a deer. Hey, Blake, have you gone hunt- hunting? Yeah, I shot a deer one time. Oh, how big was he? Oh, he was a big old ten point. Well, cool, man. You have any meat left over? Oh, no, I didn't kill it. I just shot it with BB gun. <laughs> you know, and so I um, <laughs> uh, just, it, it's just one of those irresponsible stories that I had, and uh, shot with a little red rider, and. Um, you probably didn't even penetrate the skin or anything, but um, it's just one of those immature stories that back when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, right. I, uh, right. I, I think it's a good story that represents where you are in your, your career of learning to deer hunt. All right, Blake, I've got 10 rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's your number one hunting tip of all time? Uh, my biggest hunting trip, um, with, with any, with any hunting, whatever you're hunting, uh, the key ultimately is to, um, be quiet and be unseen. That That's your goal. And so, um, uh, a lot of people put in earbuds while they're hunting or pull open their phone or whatever they do. That that's quite hazardous. If you do that, you could I have a friend. I went turkey. I think he starts smoking in the stand. Sure. Turkey aren't known for their sense of smell, but I, I, I thought it was kind of weird. You know, my like, dude, we're hunting, man. Why, why are you smoking, man? And so, I mean, uh, even though it didn't affect a turkey hunt, it, it could have. And so, uh, in, in situations, you gotta learn to be unseen, be quiet, and, and hide from your surrounding. That's your goal. Your goal is to uh, outsmart nature. And so, um, that's your goal. And so, some people pull out their phones, put in earbuds, check their Facebook, whatever. No, when you're hunting, you you have to be primitive and you have to be completely unseen. And so, um, I, I never, I've never, I, when I was younger, I'd go out all the time with um, earbuds. Never ever. It was very. I never really had any success with small game. Gotcha. I don't have any. Or earbuds anymore. I'm okay. good to go. So just go and see. Be quiet. 
Excellent. Great tip. All right. We all have these things that we like to have with us when we go into the woods. It drives us crazy if we don't have it with us and doesn't. we don't feel like that hunt's going to be successful. Maybe it's a hunting tool. Maybe it's something else. What's that one thing for you? Pocket knife. No doubt. If I don't have a pocket knife, I feel naked. All right. Very good. <laughs> hey, okay. All right. What's your biggest pet peeve in life? My biggest pet peeve is oh, vegan. <laughs> Vegans and anti-hunters. Yeah. I don't get it. Okay. Very good. All right. You're, uh, you're, you're going to be 17. As a reference reference point, what would you tell the twelve year old Blake Alma, knowing what you know today? Um, oh man, I'd be like, dude, you should have started earlier. <laughs> here, here, I'd tell him all my plans at twelve. I'm like, okay, you need to be a TV host now. Here's how to do it. Here's how to be a radio host. Here's how to write. I tell him everything that I'm doing now, then, so that I can be even head, even more in the game than I am now. That's probably what I would tell him. I would tell him not to screw up with the some of the immature things, like shooting that deer. I'd tell him not to shoot that deer with a BB gun. It's another thing I'd tell him to do. Right. All right. Excellent. All right. Yeah, let's see. Where are we at? Oh, you, uh, you're at a hunting convention somewhere in the world, and a stranger comes up to you, and you have a conversation. They ask you what you do for a living. What would you tell them? I love and pursue the sport of hunting. Excellent. Good answer. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, I actually had tuna. <laughs> tuna for breakfast. All right. That's tuna. Interesting. Yeah, tuna salad on crackers. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. Um, let's see. You get your own billboard on the side of the highway. It's a blank canvas. You can put anything you want on it in the world. What would you put on it? Oh, good one. Um, I would say, um, man, that's a good one. Um, uh, Jesus saves. I know. I, would, I don't know. I would put, I'd probably put something for the TV show, promotional something for the TV show. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, it's, we've had lots of different answers and sometimes it's, yeah. uh, it's a religious belief or sometimes it's something hunting related. Um, yeah. It goes across the board. I do. I'll, I'd mix them somehow. I'll, mix I'll them up. That. Gotcha. Mix, yeah. Mix them up. Very cool. If I say the word successful to you, who's the first person that pops into your head and why? Um, uh, Stephen Ranella. Um, I think he is the most successful hunter, quite frankly. He's the most articulate and most, um, easiest to understand hunter, I think ever. And he's, self-made he 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 did i mean that guy is on the ball i love that guy that guy can talk about the outdoors like nobody's business that guy's just he's a success he's like the modern fred bear we have and so i think he's an awesome guy very nice he's extremely articulate he's a very smart guy yeah i agree with it's amazing yep he is probably the fred bear of our time in in a lot of ways yeah yeah okay uh let's see what's a typical day in your life look like um, wake up, eat tuna for breakfast, um, drink some uh, coffee, go downstairs, check my email, have fun with some, uh, playing around with some comedy with the anti hunters and stuff. And then, uh, doing school and then getting back to work, writing, whatever, uh, editing, whatever I have to do on Tuesdays, we record the shows. And so, um, my normal day is wake up, eat, play around, do school and then work. And so, um, when I say play around, it's like play around with me and say, okay, let's debate. Let's have some fun on social media. But right. yeah. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. And, and then finally, and this, this will probably be something you'll experience this year. Um, what's a typical deer hunting day in your life look like? Oh, uh, typical deer hunting day. Well, I can tell you my, uh, it's uh, sitting in a tree stand with a BB gun, shooting a massive deer, mistaking, uh, mistakenly shooting massive deer with a BB gun. That, that's my typical day. All right. Very good. Uh, those are the 10 rapid fire questions, Blake. All right. So if, if we haven't covered enough content here um, and people want more information about you and your writing and your TV shows and your podcast, where can we find more information about you? Give us some website links. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have 
website links to TV show, radio show, man. There's website links for everything that we do. But um, the main one that links up to all the links that you, you need is BlakeAlma.com. Blake is spelled B-L-A-K-E. And then my last name is spelled A-L-M-A, like um, Alma Mater. And so um, it's BlakeAlma.com. And you'll see everything there, all the articles, um, TV show, radio show, um, you know, not every, not all the articles on there because there's so many of them, but uh, most, just about everything you, you would need to find about anything that I do in the outdoors should be at BlakeAlma.com. Excellent, man. I appreciate your time. This has been an honor and a pleasure to hear somebody yeah. from your generation with so much uh, great outlook on life and uh, motivation, and uh, you have some direction, and I appreciate you coming into our world over here and adding to it. It's, uh, it's really, um, it makes me feel good. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me on your show, man. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Well, there's a young man that has a focus and a vision, and I think we all know where he's headed. He is, seems to be dedicated to the outdoors. I believe he's going to do some things in outdoor television and continue writing. I think we're going to see uh, more to come of Blake Alma. He's, a, he's an impressive young man. Dusty, do we have a Chubby Times Tip of the Week? Well, we do, Jay. You know, I'm going to touch bases on uh, ground blinds. The Chubby Tines Tip of the Week is sponsored by Morris's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows. Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morrisessportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morris's Sporting Goods. You know, it's a great option to, to get out of the elements of the weather. And, and it's uh, sometimes they're just not a tree where you want to be hunting at. And if you're going to set up a ground blind, get that thing in the woods. Give them a chance to adjust to it. You know, it's, it's going to be a foreign object. They say, oh, you brush it in. And, and I'm not going to say you can't get lucky and go set up a ground blind, brush it in good, and that night kill the buck or a doe or whatever you're hunting. But, uh, you know, just... Nine out of ten times, they're going to come out and maybe spook a little bit when they see that ground blind or maybe a little bit of scent that you've left in there or just something that's not going to be right to the, either visually or to their, their taste buds or their nose or just give that ground blind time to season in that spot. If you're planning on hunting it pretty heavy, get it out there, get it set up, and uh, let it become part of the element that they're used to. Very nice. It's uh yeah, you, you notice when you open up a package of anything, no matter what it is, I hate that plastic packaging that everything comes in now. You got to take, you basically have to take out your knife and you have to cut through layers of plastic just to get to the item that you first ordered. It drives me nuts. But once you get in there, everything smells like a factory. You know, it's all the synthetic stuff that was used during manufacturing and uh, guaranteed deer smell that. So I'm with you, man. Just you got to get that that kind of seasoned up to match the outdoors. Yeah, no doubt. It just gives an opportunity to just to get the deer comfortable, you know, walking in front of it or passing by it or being around it, whatever the scenario may be. Just if you let it season for a couple weeks before you hunt it. Right. Well, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. And I, I think it's seasoned in a couple different ways. Like I left my blind out. Um, all all spring and all summer, and not in the place where I was hunting, but I just want to get all the smells out. And then I think you're right, see, having it placed in a spot for a couple of weeks so the deer get used to it is just smart, just good move. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So great tip, excellent, my friend. Very very good tip of the week there, Dusty. I appreciate that. I'd like to say thank you to Morse's Sporting Goods for sponsoring the Chubby Tines Tip of the Week. I also like to say thank you to all of our sponsors. We deeply 
appreciate their support. And please go check out our sponsors. If you're thinking about buying any of these products in these categories or shopping at any stores, please go check these guys out. So I'd like to say thank you to Advanced Takedown Tree Stance, Covert Scouting Cameras, the Horny Buck Seed Company, Morse Sporting Goods, and back on board is the Scent Lock Enforcer. So take control of your odor footprint with the Scent Lock Enforcer, your personal ozone generator. Dusty, where can we find you when you're not hanging out here in the studios with me? Uh, shoot me an email, dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. You can look me up on Instagram and Twitter at Chasing Antler, facebook.com forward slash chubby tines outdoors. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Likewise, you can shoot me an email, jay at bigbuckregistry.com, and you can visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We're also on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. We are also on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash bigbuckregistry, and YouTube, which is youtube.com forward slash bigbuckregistry. On YouTube, you can listen to all of our podcasts in their entirety. As far as videos are concerned, it's a boring video, but the audio content is there, so you can actually listen to our podcast. You can also listen to all of our live shows that we've done on Thursday nights when we do do them, and we've gone back and interviewed, re-interviewed a lot of our previous guests we had on the show just to put a face to a voice, let's put it that way. You can always listen to our show on other places as well, not just YouTube. We're found on iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Blueberry. And if you would like to submit a buck to our page for consideration and be featured on our page in front of 250,000 diehard deer hunting fans, all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck and all of the instructions will be right there. I think that's pretty much everywhere we're at. I think that's a wrap, Dusty. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Sure is. I'm Jay Scott. I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Can't wait.